If there was a missing piece of information that is costing you money now or could cost you money in the future, when would you want to find out about it? Ideally, you would want to learn about it right now. It's best to learn these critical facts before you make any financial decisions because not knowing could have profound effects on your financial future. One of the best ways to make money is to avoid losing it in the first place. So we focus on all the missing facts to keep your money from falling through the cracks and we engineer tax strategies to reduce burdens on your income. Welcome to the Roadmap to Retirement podcast with Ken New from Pinnacle Financial Wealth Management. As a fiduciary advisor, Ken focuses on creating individualized holistic plans rather than cookie cutter portfolios. Listen in as Ken and his guest experts explore key retirement and tax strategies that every pre-retiree should consider to reach their pinnacle. Now, onto the show. Welcome to Roadmap to Retirement, the podcast that takes you on a journey into retirement and around the world. I'm Patrice Sikora, and today we have a special episode dedicated to retirement travel. And joining us is our host, Ken New, and travel expert, Karen Bentz, a seasoned travel agent with many years of experience in planning vacations and getaways for retirees of all ages. Welcome, Karen. Thanks for having me. I'm so happy to be able to speak with you today. And we are thrilled to have you because retirement travel is a topic many of our listeners are interested in. So let's jump right in. Ken, our retirement expert and inquisitive host that you are, He's here with us to ask the burning questions. Over to you, Ken. Yeah, thank you, Patrice. And hello, Karen. Hello, Ken. Yeah, so I love travel and my clients love travel. And that's always a topic of conversation. And I can tell you, I am just back from a trip that took me from Florida to the state of Montana, which is always kind of that summer trip for me. But I decided this year to stick around the western part of the United States and head up to Alaska and spend some really great time there. I'm now recovering from jet lag, though, but really excited to learn, you know, about what's going on in the travel industry. And so maybe you could tell us a little bit about yourself and your travel background. Sure, absolutely. I am the owner of Airland and Sea Travel, Inc., and uh, I do have an extensive background in the travel industry. I'm originally from Connecticut, and I began my career in travel as a flight attendant. So my interest in travel continued even after my career as a flight attendant ended. I moved from Vermont to Florida with my family in 1986, and I've remained in Cocoa Beach to this day. I became a travel consultant when my daughter started school. So for the past 34 years, I've been involved assisting customers with all their travel plans. I've owned the business for the last 29 years. Along the way, I have endeared many clients and forged uh, lifelong friendships with my clients. My passion is in creating memorable travel experiences for everyone who calls, emails, or walks into my office. I've uh, personally traveled extensively to Europe and throughout the United States. 
Um, in my earlier years as a, as a uh, travel consultant, some of my favorite trips were taking groups on ski vacations every winter. Of course, I was a lot younger then, but other, other trips involved uh, yearly mother-daughter vacations and girlfriends' getaways. So it's uh, all about the bonds you created with family and friends. You, uh, everyone experiences the joy. For over 38 years, my husband Bob and I traveled as a couple. We went to wonderful and exciting destinations around the world. It was really fun meeting other couples during our travels. We always had lots to talk about with these new friends, family, and places uh, that we did, had been and where our jobs took us. And we were always looking forward to going on our next adventure. Uh, when my husband passed away in 2015, um, all of a sudden I was left alone, as many couples who have lost a loved one. And owning a travel agency, I often encountered widows and widowers who were used to traveling with their spouses. When one or the other passed away, they're thrown into the single travel category. So knowing how much travel meant to them, I tried my best to find them groups they could join so they would feel not so lonely on a cruise or a tour. Other times, I would try to match them up with someone in their same situation so they would not have to pay that dreaded single supplement. So now my life is filled with travel buddies and family. My career as a travel consultant has really kept me active and young. Wow, Karen, that, that's a lot of introduction for sure. You have a lot of experience, varying experiences. You were a traveler as a couple. And as you know, many people travel that way. And you've stated that. And of course, you're a traveler as a single. And uh, I'm curious, though, what is the dreaded single supplement that you spoke about? <laughs> well, that is when you have to pay double the rate because most of the tour companies and cruise lines um, always advertise as based on double occupancy. So when you're a single, then you, uh, you have to pay the double occupancy rate. So it's really just doubling the price. Now, there are often times when, uh, when some of the tours and, and cruise lines will uh, waive that single supplement, and that's always, a, that's always a good thing to relay to our, our clients. Yeah. Well, I'm sure you have some tricks of the trade in that regard for the single travelers, and I guess that's obviously one of the real reasons why to consult with someone like yourself. And your travel experience sounds really, really amazing. So maybe you have some insights, some other insights that you might be able to share with retirees. And what are they looking for in their travel experiences? What kinds of things are, you know, what are the hot spots? Where are people wanting to go to and what's fun and exciting out there? Well, every destination is exciting to me. So I just try to match up their their interests and their um, what kind of the travel experiences they really want to enjoy. So there's there's lots of lots and lots of different ways to travel, as you well know. We cruises are very are very popular. 
both the river cruises and the ocean cruises. We have a lot of uh, active retirees who like to go hiking or biking or fishing or exploring wildlife. The multi-generational travel has become popular because many retirees want to enjoy sharing experiences with their families. And I believe that a lot of this multi-generational travel was a result of the COVID-19 lockdowns. So families were separated for long periods of time. And then as we came out of the pandemic and started living life again, people realized just how important spending time with their families truly is. And the emphasis became more on making memories together and sharing experiences instead of just leaving an inheritance behind. So the family unit has become a lot stronger in a lot of ways. So volunteering abroad, wellness retreats, and cultural immersions are also key trends among retirees today. Yeah, that really resonates with my experience with my clients and their preferred modes of travel today. Uh, and, and, and they are taking families, not only their sons and daughters, but grandchildren and grandchildren's friends. And so it, uh, it does seem like there's a whole lot more emphasis on, as you said, making memories together and sharing experiences. So that's all real cool. It seems though, that in the travel industry, most everyone's first choice is cruising. They seem to always want to cruise to different places uh, the Alaska cruise a few years ago was really, really popular. Of course, in our area here, cruising down yeah, to the islands is a lot of fun, whether it just be to go over to uh, uh, some of the islands near uh, Miami and such. Lots of fun there. All the way down through the uh, the the canal. I think, think that's the Suez Canal, isn't it? The Panama Canal? Panama Canal. Yeah, that's the one I was thinking of. <laughs> Just yeah. on the other side of the world. Yeah. It is. Yeah. It's, it's great. Yeah, the Panama Canal cruises are very interesting to retirees because they were around when the Panama Canal actually became its own entity. And, you know, the United States gave it over to Panama. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that sounds pretty cool. I, I do know that uh, the cruises are very appealing for a variety of reasons, for sure. Um, but what about the river cruises? I have a lot of clients that choose river cruises these days and uh, say they're the best ever uh, because they're smaller. And But what do you see in river cruising today and this popularity? Oh, it has increased so much in the last, I would say, 10 years. Everybody uh, enjoys the river cruise. Like you said, it is just more relaxing. You just kind of drift down the rivers and you stop right in the, uh, the cities where you can just walk off the boat and actually just get into the town very easily or the city. It's really beautiful. It's scenic rivers. Uh, you have the Danube, the Rhine, the Seine rivers, and you get to experience the wonderful cuisine, the excursions, guided tours. So it's kind of bringing history to life. 
Yeah, that sounds pretty cool. Before I forget, really, when you say walk off on a river cruise, when you, in, in many of the islands that you go to, um, you walk off the, the boat and there's so many people there to greet you with all their deals that they have for you. Uh, <laughs> is, it a, is it a different experience on the river cruises? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you are, you're not bombarded with people trying to sell you things. You definitely are getting off and experiencing it, what the people in those areas are doing. The churches, the, of course, there's tours that you can go on to, so that's mm-hmm. fine. But, the, you know, the shopping, you just walk into the shops and people greet you and they're not pushy or anything like that. So yes, it is a different experience. Yeah. And these river cruises are not only in Europe. I hear a lot about uh, European cruises, but we also have uh, pretty cool experiences here in the United States. Do you help with that? Yeah, sure. They, um, they have the cruises, the most popular along the Mississippi River. And then you have uh, out west, the Snake River, you also have the uh, the Canadian river cruises where you can go all the way from rivers up in Canada. So there's, there's that to enjoy. Uh, when you're on one of these Mississippi river cruises, you get to take in live jazz music and you stop in some really charming historical towns and cities along the riverbanks so yeah it's all it's all good in the u.s too and some of them love the paddle boats so yeah that's nostalgic it is exactly so nostalgic to be able to just enjoy the united states and what we have to offer now if we were to do a canadian cruise that is that seasonal i suspect yeah definitely Uh, most of them go during the fall foliage season so you get to see the lovely changing of the leaves, and it's much more relaxing to, I don't know, different climate, especially for Floridians. And uh, it, it's it's a nice cruise, but that usually happens in late August, September, and a little bit into October. Oh, Yeah. Well, that sounds like a fun fall experience for sure. It so, is. It is. Being really a New sound... England girl, it really is. <laughs> Absolutely. You are you like many, and you miss the changing of the seasons and that uh, the the leaves turning color and all that beauty. I do. I do, and I get to go back as as often as I can each year. And I suspect you have clients that are the same way. Like, can I just take that one cruise to go see those leaves change and get that feeling? Yes. <laughs> yeah. So, all right, then. So, you know, it sounds like there's many different cruise options out there and many different unique experiences like the changing of the leaves and the jazz music aboard the uh, Mississippi and all that kind of fun. So uh, any other specific kinds of things that you talk about when you're having someone consider a cruise as a retiree? Uh, Cruising is, is again, probably 75% of what retirees like, but we also have all-inclusive packages that they can um, fly somewhere. 
and stay at a resort, do day tours from the resort, or they can go on a, a tour package to various countries and spend like three, two to three days visiting different cities. And that a lot of people like that too, because they have a guide that can be with them all the time. They don't have to worry about the language or getting around. Um, they're, they're taken by bus and they have uh, the opportunity to see you know, quite, a, quite a few different places depending on how long their trip wants to be. And they can also you know, have their meals included. Um, they have they have a choice of different excursions they can go on that may not be included with the tour, but you know they're optional. So there's all kinds of different ways to go. Yeah, and it sounds like there's probably all different kinds of price points for all this fun and excitement as well. Definitely, yeah, so there are. What would be like the low end and then the real higher end? Just a range. Uh, for for a cruise or for a tour? or Yeah, for, for a cruise to start with, and then if you could also comment on a tour. Yeah, um, the cruising, you know, it, it varies on what type of accommodation you want. So you start with the lowest, which would be an interior cabin, and go all the way up to a luxury suite. So in between, there's the ones that just have a window, some that have that mostly have balconies, which a lot of the bigger ships are doing mostly balconies now. And um, so you start there. If, if you're not claustrophobic, do an inside cabin. You're not in the cabin that often, but still uh, you don't have a window and you can't see out. I, I would say that most of most of the people that we deal with want either uh, at least a window or a balcony, and then again, some of them really like the luxury suites. Yeah, I know a few that uh, have have gone that route, and uh, I know that the numbers can get up there pretty good. I do remember, you know, how it, it, first of all, it's so exciting when people are talking about this cruise of a lifetime, uh, this whole idea that they're going to cruise for the first time, or this is the first time they've cruised in a long while. And uh, I remember years ago, I had a retiree who on her bucket list, she was a single person, she wanted to cruise around the world. And it was somewhere short of $30,000 to do that. What would something like that cost in today's world? That's about what it's costing right now. I just had someone that, uh, a couple that got off a cruise in uh, April, and they were, they left January, and yeah, I think they came back in April. So they uh, they paid probably around 30000 a person. Okay. All right. Well, it doesn't sound like inflation's hit that too hard. Of course, I vaguely remember the details now but i do remember that that was the one thing that we spoke about when she retired from her work was i want to do a cruise around the world can i afford to do that and i always ask people well what else is the money for than to make memories and have great times so at any rate um 
are there anything else that you would, any other considerations you might have for someone when they're planning a cruise? Well, they have to definitely make sure that they check into travel insurance, which is very important because things happen. And mm-hmm. if they had to cancel before their cruise for a covered reason, mostly they are medical reasons, then um, you know they get their money back less the insurance. While they're on the trip, if something happens to them on board the ship, there are always doctors on board, but they do charge for that. And so they, if they see a doctor, they need to pay for it right up front and then claim it on insurance when they get back. And the worst case scenario, something happens to them while they're on shore at a certain port or a city and they need to be evacuated, actually airlifted to the nearest hospital. That can be very costly. So definitely insurance is one of the things to uh, have before you go on an extended tour or any trip, actually. We recommend travel insurance for even three-day cruises. Then they have to think about what the accessibility is at certain ports. I mean, if you have to tender boat into an island, you have to make sure that you can get on kind of a little bit of a rocking boat. Uh, you don't want to fall, and, but the crews are very good about uh, handling that situation. And I think that's uh, about the best thing to recommend. And, and, they're, and, they're, and what they really want to see, you know, do they want to be in an island? Do they want to be in the Caribbean? Do they want to be in the Mediterranean? So there are different different areas to consider what they're uh, what they like to do. So there's a lot of planning to go into this uh, decision, and I'm sure that you have ways to be able to communicate all that and make sure people have checked all the boxes, so to speak. Yes? Yes, absolutely. Okay. All right, then. Well, certainly uh, cruises are the most popular, especially if 75% of your clientele are doing that mode of travel. Let's talk a little bit about some of the other popular ways of travel. You began talking a little bit about escorted tours. Maybe you could elaborate a little bit more about those. The escorted tours are usually with a group anywhere between 10 to, you know, 30, 40 people on a bus. So uh, you join the group or you bring a lot of your friends and you have your own little group. Uh, and then uh, there have, there's a tour guide, and he keeps you on track. You have an itinerary that you do every day. You get up for breakfast. You get on the bus. You may be on a bus for two hours before you get to you know, a, a certain destination to see what's there. And uh, most of the day is pretty much touring, Usually you're back at the hotels around four in the afternoon, the time to get ready for dinner. Most of the uh, inclusive vacations in uh, tours include breakfast and dinner. And you have free time. There are certain days that you do have free time that you can just plan what you want to do. 
maybe shop, maybe get on uh, a special excursion somewhere that the tour isn't going to. So, yeah, or you can work out at the gym. Oh, yes. <laughs> well, that's terrific then. Um, and, and it sounds like there's a lot of different themes that could be involved. Um, like we were talking about before, a cruise to see the changing of the leaves could be maybe an escorted tour to do something like that as well. Yes, we have bus tours that will do that. Actually, there we have some tours that leave right out of uh, Cocoa Beach, and they go to various locations. New England, uh, we do a lot of them just right down to Miami in the Keys sometimes. Uh, trying to think some of the other ones that we've done up to the um, up to St. Augustine. You know, shorter shorter distances that people would like to do uh there's not always you don't always have to go on a you know 10 14 day trip yeah yeah for sure well it sounds to me like escorted tours really are a great option for people um and and very popular as well but there's those that are experienced travelers maybe a little bit more do-it-yourselfers um how do you accommodate someone like that and help them with their travel experience in that instance, what we do is we get them the transportation, we get them the uh, the hotels, and then we offer them certain options for what they're interested in. If they want to go biking, if they want to go hiking, it doesn't have to be escorted, but we give them the option of choosing uh, that particular uh Thing that they really want to do, and we can guide them with uh, with the people in their destination that can help them with that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I remember being in Anchorage, Alaska, on my vacation, and huh? I hadn't been back there for twenty years, so things had changed immensely, and I was excited about it. But there was this train the one of these double-decker trains with the open windows on top that would go from Anchorage to Fairbanks. And right. yeah. I've also seen many of these trains that go across the the northernmost uh, section of Montana that take people back and forth for different. Uh, so talk to me a little bit about those kinds of uh, experiences. Is that something you can help people with as well? Yeah, there's lots of rail adventures that people can do both here and in other countries. You have uh, the Rocky Mountaineer that goes from Vancouver to Calgary, where you're just on the train during the day and you stop at hotels like Lake Louise or Jasper. And so you're you're just on the train during the day and you see some extremely beautiful scenery, landscapes. And someone sometimes see bears or wildlife. People enjoy that train. Uh, there is a train that goes from Vancouver to Toronto or the reverse. Uh, so it's the Trans-Canada train. There's trains that go along the U.S. coast from California to Southern California or up to Seattle. So some people like to take that train. 
so there are the train travel is is really also relaxing if you do want to get a uh, cabin well not a cabin but a, a compartment on the train if you're going on an overnight train that's doable also well boy i can tell you that sounds really exciting to me uh i have seen so much of that happening and never experienced it. I just thought that would be such a cool thing to do, especially when you describe all the different ways that you can get around just here in the United States, how much fun that could be. Um, Absolutely. Excuse me. Yes, you. Thanks so much for listening to Roadmap to Retirement. We hope you're enjoying it so far. If you have any questions or would like to talk more about this topic, you can find us at www.pinnaclefinancialwealthmgmt.com and all of our social media platforms are listed in the show notes. So that's cool. Good to hear about that. Now let's just shift gears for a second and talk a little bit about the the real big destination. Where are people wanting to go? I suspect that one of them that ranks really high is going to be going to Europe. And so maybe you could talk a little bit about those European destinations, like you know, countries like Italy and France, Spain. And, and, and if you do, maybe name some of the cities that are going to be popular as well. Well, definitely Italy. And as you mentioned, France, Spain, United Kingdom, those are all very popular this year. You have the iconic Italy trip, which takes you from to Venice, Florence and Rome. That's what most people do if they're going to Italy for the first time. Um, if you're going to France, definitely Paris, but then you also have the um, the coast of France where you can go to Monaco, just a, a whole lot of different places in, in France to go to. I mean, that's one of those beautiful countries that have great food, uh, beautiful scenery, can take you can take the train system in Europe, which is really fantastic. So just take a train all through France. It's wonderful. Uh, Spain, Spain and Portugal have become really popular. So uh, Barcelona, Madrid, the, the iconic cities. And then if you wanted to get up into northern Spain, Astoria, Oviedo, some of those places are interesting also. And then the the United Kingdom, which includes uh, London, obviously. Uh, you can go up to Scotland, Wales, over to Ireland. So there's lots of options there. Boy, and these okay. are the places that yeah people really want to go. So I just got back from a trip to uh, Ireland with a group of 16 people. And we were so fortunate that we did not have one drop of rain, which is unheard of in Ireland, for 10 days. <laughs> so oh, we were the boy. lucky ones. <laughs> yeah, great trip. I hear so much good about Europe and so many of the folks that I uh, that I speak with have made so many trips to Europe. It's exciting. Uh, and fun to hear about all of that. But how about some of the other areas that uh, retirees are going to? I mean, uh, some of the other parts of the of the world. I uh, I'll, I'll kind of begin with my personal experience. Uh, about seven or eight years ago, I was able to go to 
uh, New Zealand. And it was designed to be uh, an event, a uh, wedding anniversary event. And so I said, well, our wedding anniversary is in August. So we'll go down to New Zealand in August. And I happened to be sharing it with one of my traveling clients. And he said, well, how long can you go for? And I said, I don't know, a week, 10 days, maybe two weeks. Oh, he said, let me talk to you about traveling to places like that. First of all, August is winter in New Zealand. Uh, how do you feel about winter? Well, that's not what I was wanting to enjoy. <laughs> and the other is, he said, it's going to take you two days to get there and two days to get back. So a week or 10 days doesn't cut it. Long story short, we ended up going for 32 days and, and on the way back, spending the last couple of days in Los Angeles just to get our wits about us again before we flew back to Florida. So maybe you can speak about getting to that part of the world. It's a long way to go. Yes, definitely. And I have to laugh sometimes when people say, oh, yeah, just like you did. Uh, I just want to spend like 10 days. No, no, absolutely not. Don't do it. You will have be so jet lagged and so tired that you just will not want to uh, enjoy what, what you're going for. So I would definitely say at least two weeks, three weeks is is very good. 34 days is wonderful. Good for you. Yeah, we but, we actually went for the for a longer period of time than we were interested in. And the reason why I say that is, is that we we went there and then realized we were doing the same things over and over again. And we needed to I mean we did a helicopter ride to the top of a glacier. I mean, we did lots of fun things, but after you do that once, then you're looking for more. And it means that, well, we should have had a cruise to Australia, or we should have had a, a cruise to one of the other New Zealand islands or something. So at any rate, the planning was good, but not great for us. Uh, anyways, oh. that was our yeah. experience. Yeah. yeah. Well, a lot of people will take a cruise in that area uh, or almost you know, any cruise that you're going on for maybe 14 days or something, and they get to see the the places. They're not there very long, sometimes only, you know, eight hours, but they can say, this is someplace I really want to come back to and spend more time. So that's always, that's always the benefits of a cruise, too. So you get to see places, and then you get to say, I just really want to go back there and spend, you know, a week or 10 days or whatever. Uh, it's, it's enchanting. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, cool stuff. But what about some of those other areas other than Europe, uh, Asia, Latin America? What, what about travel to there? We... I'm not seeing that much this year. I mean, me in particular, I have not seen a lot of people uh, heading off to uh, Asia. So I guess they, I don't know the reasoning right now. I don't know if it still has something to do with with COVID, but I guess the India is, is popular. We do have a lot of, we have a lot of retreats that people go to in India. So if they're going there for meditation or they're going there for yoga, uh, this is this is what we found India to be uh, popular with that segment of travelers. And it's, again, it's a long way to go, but it, it is 
unique, and we see people really wanting to to experience India and all it has to offer, not just the Taj Mahal. Yeah, yeah, there there are unique experiences there, and I, I and and I get the same feedback. I think that there is a resistance to go all the way over there not knowing exactly what's all going on in that part of the world and maybe a bit hesitant uh, from time to time, I, I I get some of the same feedback. It's a lot more easy to go to Europe and a lot easier to go uh, off the islands uh, here in Florida and such like that. So, Right. Well, there's always, um, there's always Latin America. You know, you have Costa Rica, you have Mexico, Peru, Ecuador. There's uh, a lot of retirees who like the the natural wonders, the culture, and it's very affordable also to go to those countries. They can go to the Amazon rainforest. They can go to Machu Picchu. There's several towns, colonial towns in Central America. Ecuador is is popular. So yeah, there's 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 places all over the uh, Latin America and North America. And it's easier to get there. And that the flights aren't that long. Yeah, especially if you're from here, right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And I suspect anywhere on the East Coast is pretty easy to get to all those places that we want to get to. Conversely, that trip to Alaska is I remember seeing a sign that said the distance to New York from Anchorage, Alaska was longer than the distance to Tokyo, Japan. Yeah, Alaska is pretty tricky. You have to realize that you're losing um, six hours, I believe. So when people are going over isn't bad, but coming back, you're going to have a night flight, most likely. You're going to get on what they call a red eye to get back from Alaska or even Vancouver. So you have to think about that, too. Give yourself time to recuperate when you get home. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Fortunately for me, uh, I was able to go from Anchorage to Salt Lake City and spend two days to get my feet underneath me again. So uh, that was a a pretty good flight. We had to direct from Salt Lake to Anchorage. That was fun. Yeah, direct flights are always the best. I agree. Dropping into (laughs) Seattle to go up there didn't sound too exciting to me. Yeah, and the airlines are like, they're really kind of uh, doing less and less direct flights. You know, you have, it's very hard to find a direct flight from Florida to, I I don't know, Florida to Seattle or LA or San Francisco is okay, but there's, they're far and, you know, they just aren't a lot of them. You have to take what they have. Yeah, for sure. And uh, the, I, I have to have to bring up a memorable article that I read. And the term was called the Fodder Group, F-O-D-E-R, I think it is, a organization that uh, rates different uh, travel destinations. And it had actually said that going to Lake Tahoe was not recommended for tourists because they cannot handle the vast majority of people who want to go there. I just was amazed by that. Uh, Travel is alive and well in the world today. It certainly has picked up. And we have been 
busier than the last two years have been just so busy that it's been hard to keep up sometimes. But people are wanting to to get to to travel. They just need to. They need that experience. They they're wanting it. Like being you know at home with COVID has put a you know a damper on um, yeah. staying home. So. Yeah, yeah, I hear yeah. this term called, um, what was it called? It was called revenge travel. Yes, revenge. <laughs> I, I thought that was uh, kind of a cute way to uh, describe just the vast majority of people that are out there. So, hey, really, just to wrap up for today, great conversation with you uh, and, and, and really appreciate all the insight that you have, but you had mentioned earlier that travel and this whole idea of vacationing and so on is all about the experiences. And so maybe we could conclude with uh, what's one of those memorable kind of unique stories that you'd like to talk about when you're describing your travel experiences. Oh, there's, there's so many travel um <laughs> experiences that I've had that have been so wonderful. But uh, if I talk about some of my my clients' travel experiences, they it's so amazing that they'll be in a different country and they'll be walking down the street and they will see somebody that they know. This always amazes me. Wow. So, yeah, it's it, it's totally. They go, "What are you doing here?" <laughs> the same thing you're doing here. <laughs> well, isn't that something? Yeah, I uh, I I found that to be the case in um, an encounter that I had on Kodiak Island just this summer. Um, oh, really yeah. about ten or fifteen days ago was exactly the same thing. Uh, it was like of all places on Kodiak Island uh, by the Aleutian chain in Alaska. And we bump into this person. So it was uh, an amazing kind of chilling experience, but well, terrific. I have absolutely enjoyed our talk. I know there's much more that we could talk about and, uh, yeah. but tell everyone how they can um, get in contact with you and how, uh, uh, what's the best way for them to learn more about what you do in travel guidelines here? Sure. They, uh, we have a website, which is www.als, like airland C, and it's dashtravel.com. Uh, we are located in Cocoa Beach, Florida, and we have an office that you can actually come into our office and discuss your travel options with us. We do offer currency exchange, which I started doing maybe 10 years ago because people would come in and say, where can we get our money exchanged? So I did provide that. I do provide that service now, which has kind of exploded because I'm the only one in town that does it. And we do have uh, email. You can email Karen, K-A-R-E-N, at ALS-travel.com and give us a call, 321-783-4900. So there's lots of ways to get in touch with us. Myself or my staff would be happy to help you with your uh, travel plans. Well, terrific then. So someone can go right to your website 
uh, or they can give you a call at 321-783-4900. That's correct. Okay, terrific. Thank you so much for your time today, Karen. Uh, and for all of you listeners, if you'd like to get in touch with me, Ken New at Pinnacle Financial Wealth Management. So our website is Pinnacle Financial Wealth MGMT.com or give us a call 321-454-3623. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the Roadmap to Retirement podcast. Click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. Visit our website at www.pinnaclefinancialwealthmgmt.com or give us a call at 321-454-3623. Securities offered through Center Street Securities, Inc., CSS, a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through Center Street Securities Advisors, CSA, a SEC-registered investment advisor. Pinnacle Financial Wealth Management, CSS, and CSA are independent entities. Discussions are meant to be general in nature and may not be suitable for all investors. Please consult a tax professional regarding any tax implications.